Welcome to Wayne Zion Lutheran Church in Rome, Monticello. This is Sunday, August the 13th, 2023. This service was recorded on August the 6th, the 10th Sunday after Pentecost. The sermon is by Pastor Wade Reddy. The accompanist is Pete Temple. The lecture is Lisa Farley. Thank you to Judy Fries for sponsoring this week's broadcast in memory of Gerald Fries, Sean Barker, and Sean Fries. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome on this 10th Sunday after Pentecost. Let us begin with confession and forgiveness as you find printed here in your bulletin. Gracious God, we confess that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. Forgive us and give us strength to turn from sin and to serve you in the newness of life. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become children of God and bestows upon them the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I offer this greeting. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Lord, have mercy. At this time, I nice job. Give my hand. You may, you may be seated. I just can't sit still when we sing glory to God in the highest. And I thought having them join me would be fun. I don't know by the looks of their faces. But we will have fun as we go forward. We're in setting eight. This is a setting that the children love the most. And it's wonderful when we really take a look at the words and what, what it is that we're doing. We're asking God for mercy. And then we're giving glory and praise to God in the highest. And so it'll be fun to watch our children dance. I'm out of breath. <laughs> Let us pray together the prayer that's printed in your bulletin insert for this 10th Sunday after Pentecost. Glorious God, your generosity waters the world with goodness. And you cover your creation with abundance. Awaken in us a hunger for food that satisfies both body and spirit, and with this food fill all our starving world. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, Lord. Amen. Let us receive God's holy word for God's holy people. The first reading is from Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 5, with the following preface. God invites Israel to a great feast at which both food and drink are free. God also promises to make an everlasting covenant with all peoples, with promises that previously had been limited to Israel. As David was a witness to the nations, these nations shall now acknowledge the ways in which God has glorified Israel. The reading. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. 
See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. The word of the Lord. The second reading is from Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, with the following preface. This begins a new section in Paul's letter in which he will deal with the place of Israel in God's saving plan. He opens by highlighting how Israel's heritage and legacy include being God's children, having God's covenants, being given God's law, participating in worship of God, and receiving divine promises. The reading. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, my kindred according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Messiah, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. I invite you to be seated for the reading of the gospel. Now when Jesus heard about the beheading of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full, And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. The gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So as I read these scriptures, I always look for something that kind of triggers my imagination. And what is it that speaks to me with regards to the scriptures that we read this morning, and you know what came to mind was bread and wine. Ordinary elements, very common, and very much a part of the Mediterranean diet. But they didn't have refrigeration, so the primary drink was wine, and uh, bread was of abundance in the Fertile Crescent. They were common, yet they hold great significance, like what we would find here 
in Iowa and around the United States, the abundance of milk and butter. But with milk and butter, unless you churn it or unless you keep it refrigerated, it would curl and it would change. But something about bread and wine and water are consistent, yet they vary in texture, right? And taste. The uh, wine um, can be a deep and dark flavor or light and sweet. The bread can be flat, unleavened, and leavened, as we heard from the history of Israel. When Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, for that's the message that the Lord has for you. And in the Passover, the last plague, when the spirit of the angel of death passed through all of Egypt, the firstborn of every child and every animal, the life was taken out of it. And Moses gave instruction to the people that we won't have time to leaven the bread. We're going to have to go. Have your sandals on, have your staff in your pack ready to go. And in the wilderness, we find this bread from heaven coming when the people complained. We wished we were back in Egypt. At least then we had food, and God provides manna, bread from heaven. But here's the thing. You can't gather up the bread and save it for later because it will spoil. You're going to have to trust the Lord. In other times, it was the yeast and raising the bread and having it. It would feed more people as pockets would fill in to the bread and it would rise. Just like the bread that we have here at our table this morning. Although this is an unleavened bread, one that Larry Taylor taught us, and Chris Heron has continued the tradition in making this bread with our children. And we say how much we like this bread versus that flat wafer. Can you imagine the people got tired of manna after a while, right? And would have liked the molasses and the honey bread. Bread. Wine. And even water. Ordinary elements, but for some reason God continues to use these ordinary items to teach us about the kingdom of God. Just common, everyday things. I want us, if you would like to, you don't have to, but I'm going to turn to John's Gospel. You know, what's interesting is that the passage that we just read about feeding the 5,000 is found in all four Gospels. But if you want to follow with me, I'm turning to the Gospel of John, page 1649. 1649, almost to the very back of your Bible. And I want to tell, I want to read this story, and I want you to identify what's happening. You all know this story. Uh, it is the wedding in Cana. And if you remember, Jesus' Jesus's mother is there, and so is Jesus and his newly called disciples. At this point, Jesus has not performed any glorious acts that would point to his father yet. It was on the third day on 1649 under Jesus' changes of water and wine. 
On that third day, a wedding, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding, and when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no wine. And I think it's funny, Jesus' response is almost flippant. Woman, what does that have to do with me? You'd like to slap him up, right? If you're a mom of Jesus and say, now listen here, child. I bore you into this world. You respect me. What does this have to do with me, woman? I just think it's interesting as we play with the banter in the, in the, in the scriptures, but his mother said to the servants, not to the disciples, but to the servants who were busy taking care of the wedding guests, she says, um, I want you to do whatever Jesus tells you. I know he told me it's not his hour, but... I know he has compassion. He's from God. And so nearby stood these six stone water jars, the kind that are used for Jewish ceremonies and washing. Before you enter the temple, you have to wash. You have to make yourself clean. Even if you get to the portico around the temple, there is a washing ceremony that takes place. Take those jars. And they're 20 to 30 gallons, so if it's a stone jar and 20, 30 gallons, that's pretty dang heavy, right? And they're going to go to the fountain, and they're going to fill them with water to the brim. And uh, Jesus instructs them then, now I want you to, Jesus said to the servants, fill those jars with water so they're full to the brim, and then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And what does the master of the banquet discover? And taking that, somehow the water is turned into wine and the master of the banquet shares with the servants, where did you get this? This is of the very best wine. Now there's a couple things that we need to know about weddings, and you know all this, that here in America we have the, um, help me, just throw it out. We're, we're in this together and I haven't written this down, but we have the groomsman dinner right after the, the, the practice, right, of the wedding. And uh, usually we have wine flowing at that, right? I mean, come on, let's just be honest, the wine's flowing. And then the, the day of the wedding comes and uh, people start showing up uh, early and, and, and I think it's absolutely wonderful that people want a Christian wedding and to have it in the church. You don't have to have it in the church. But, you know, we are celebrating the gift that God has given us and we're keeping the main thing the main thing. So we come to church. The women go to the lounge down here. There's a curtain on the door and they've got the beautician here. They've worked out a deal and she's back there curling their hair, steaming the dresses, ironing any little thing, finding pins and getting ready, right? The guys are in the back not knowing what the heck to do. And uh, they're, they're kind of like this. Well, pastor, pastor discovers on one particular occasion, here's a case full of beer in the confirmation room. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. You can wait just a little bit. And uh, we get to the, you know, we've been planning. I've been meeting with the wedding couple. We've been planning the wedding. And uh, it's been uh, several weeks and we're leading up to the day. Now they're all dressed. They're coming in. They're taking pictures. We light the candles. And every angle is taken, right? 
And if there isn't enough pictures and if there's time before the ceremony, we are all over Jones County taking pictures. And we come back to the church. And it's finally about time. And now I know why they went out to take pictures at Jones County because the pastor says you can't have alcohol in the church. So we'll have a little nip when we go out to take pictures, right? We smile better. We get back to church. The music is playing. And this was not the case of your wedding. You guys were perfect, <laughs> in my estimation. Uh, so anyway, uh, we get back here, and the ceremony's ready to begin, and the mother-in-law is all nervous as get out. Have you thought of this and this, and are you going to do this and that? And I said, we got her. It's like when church starts. I can be the craziest guy right before, five minutes before the worship service starts. We start the service, boom, we're done. There's no more worrying. We turn it over to the Lord. And the service takes place. And if you're lucky, without special music, you might go 25 minutes. All that planning, 25 minutes. And then from here, you, you get on this bus. It looks like a school bus that's been overhauled. Or maybe it's a really nice cruise coach, right? And off they go. And uh, on there is more beer or wine, right? And so it's no different. Um, so in the Mediterranean, in, in the time of Jesus' time, these ceremonies went on for five to seven days. And they ran out of wine. You don't do that. Whoa, because the, the kids have been betrothed. Uh, the dads had made a deal. And... Uh, and one of them's coming away pretty dang rich. And so either in, in animals, land, whatever it is. I mean, these daughters are worth, you know, in the Mediterranean world, whoa, that was like gold. And so you don't want to run out of, out of wine. And so um, they did. And it's a disgrace. I think it's interesting that Jesus takes ordinary water and somehow he didn't do abracadabra. He didn't say, look what I did. He instructed the servants. He was, Jesus was over there. The servants were up here and going. And the master of the banquet is tasting this. And this is the best wine that he has ever tasted. And this isn't how it's done. You know, you start with the expensive stuff. So you start with Blue Moon, but you end with Schlitz. <laughs> now, if I offended any guys out there who have been drinking Schlitz for years and years, it's good beer. Pastor likes a beer, but I would have the Blue Moon before I would have the Schlitz. Jesus takes ordinary things to teach us about the kingdom of God, about compassion, about abundance, about mercy, about forgiveness. Ordinary water turned into wine, and it just kept coming. I want you to turn to John's Gospel, chapter 6. The bread of life. And I want to get to the bread of life. But chapter 6, on 1656, 1656, 
Sometime after this, after the wedding at Cana, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him there because they saw signs that he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountaintop, and he sat with his disciples, and the Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, and he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for just one to have a bite, for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far Will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there, besides women and children. And Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of far five barley loaves left over for those who all ate and had their fill. I think it's interesting when we read another gospel text, seeing this from a different angle, that all were fed and let nothing go to waste. You know... It was like the wine, if you think about it, it was like the wine in which they were pouring it out, pouring it out. There was enough for all. The bread was being handed out, was being handed out, was being handed Five barley loaves was being handed out, was being handed out, was being handed out. Five now, I remind you. We're now at 500, 501, 502. We're now at 900, 901, 902. There was enough for everyone. Jesus takes these ordinary elements. And I want you to go with me in, in John's Gospel. And uh, we're at the end of chapter 6, starting at the 25th verse, 16 and 57. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to, life, to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered them, the work of God is this. To simply believe that I am the one he sent. All you have to do is believe. And then going on, so they asked him, what sign then will you give us that we may see and believe in you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
And Jesus said to them, very truly, whenever Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, here comes a divine truth. It is not Moses who had given you the bread from heaven, but it was my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives the life, gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. As I think about our scriptures and what we read today in our Old Testament about being filled and about compassion and the steadfast love in our psalm, in Paul's word to Romans and to Jesus, this passage that comes in the middle of Matthew's gospel to just take pause, that God is here. God is among us. And we get to partake again this morning in the bread of life, in the cup of salvation, There is nothing that we can do but simply to come with our hands open and to believe in our hearts that today you receive the body of Christ, the blood of the Lamb, that you are forgiven and that you are loved and that there is nothing in this world that will ever, ever, ever separate us from the love of God, not even death. The gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Let us share the affirmation of our faith as is found in the Apostles' Creed. I invite the congregation to please rise. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Confident that God receives our joys and concerns, let us offer our prayers for the church and those in need and all of creation. You'll find our prayers of intercession on the back side of your celebrate insert. Accompany those who are alone. Heal those who are sick. Provide for all who hunger or thirst and console the bereaved and bring joy to the sorrowful and attend to all who call upon you. This day, Lord, we lift before you Elfrida and Kurt, Ruth and Linda, Sharon, Teresa, Kalinda, Sandy, Barbara, Dick, Lynette, and Samantha, and Tom, Lord, remember the families of Galen Harms and Thomas Shannon as they mourn their loss. Lord, we pray for our sons of this congregation who have entered the military. 
We ask, Lord, that you look over Ben and David, Trevor, Dustin, and Spencer. Lord, uh, I pray for our Stephen ministers who come alongside their care receivers who are struggling with ever, whatever it is, that you bless this beautiful union between the Stephen minister and the care receiver. And Lord, as we go along in our life's way, we give thanks for those benchmarks in our lives, such as wedding anniversaries. And we're so thankful for Linda and Ivan Eden in our midst in celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary on August 4th. Now send us forth in the power of your spirit that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine upon you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Liturgy, copyright 2021, Augsburg Fortress, all rights reserved. Music and lyrics reprinted with permission under one license, number A-729734, all rights reserved.